They teach you not to substitute words for action, not to seek the path of comfort, but to face the stress and spur of difficulty and challenge. Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Jeremy Carey here at the Ironclad Podcast. Today we are talking with good friend of Ironclad and incredible DP and cinematographer Nick McLean. Nick actually lives in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. It's a small town, so you don't see much talent coming out of a town like that, but he's a superstar. He's a family man. He's an outdoorsman. He's a funny guy all around. It's Nick McLean. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it, buddy. Um, so what, what, what is your official title? I said DP cinematographer. What do you, what do you say it is? Uh, I mean, they're kind of interchangeable. It depends on what job you're on. And I, I just say, I tell people now I, I, I'm a cinematographer. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It, it, it hasn't always been that though. I mean, you started as a one man show, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I started my career out, uh, you know, graduated college and started making surf films and, did everything on my own and it's not the case anymore and but I think it really probably helped more than anything learning to do everything you know on your own starting off uh, I think it's a great path <laughs> you know I'm, I'm actually fortunate that I went that route and started making my own films uh, you get to learn a lot more that way yeah I mean living where you live I mean for those of you who don't know Nick lives in the Outer Banks in North Carolina and that's not I mean, it's a super cool town and it's it's awesome, but it's not something where you think someone that's on the bleeding edge of, of media or, or film would be living. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's, it's, what, it's great, man. I mean, uh, the, really the, the reason why I live here is because of the waves and it's an awesome community. I've got great friends here. I've got a three-year-old. Well, actually, he just turned four the other day. Uh, four-year-old son, um, been married for 12 years, and I just love this community. Uh, however, as far as like a film industry, it's, it's there's just nothing here for that. Um, there's some local commercials to do, which are fun, you know, here and there. But for the most part, all of my work is outside of the zip code. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people probably have um, – you know, dreams and, 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 and ideas to do these things where they say, well, I don't live in the right spot or, or, you know, not in our town, but, but I think you've proved that you can make that kind of thing happen. Yeah. I think the, I mean, it's really important. Number one, to like love where you live, love your, you know, the friends and family that you have around you. If you don't have that and you have an exciting career for me personally, I think you kind of missed the point. You know, the whole idea is to still live and enjoy your life and not just work, 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 but you know, it works should be hopefully be fun. Um, and hopefully you find a community in the place you live that you really you know, love and you can invest in um, and have like real community. So that's what I have here. Um, so it's just kind of this balance. Um, my family calls it feast and famine. You know, it's it's feast time when when I'm home and we're hanging out and we're, we're just doing life here on the Outer Banks, surfing, fishing, hanging out and just you know doing life. And then famine is when dad's away for a week or two weeks sometimes abroad. Uh, so it's kind of a, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, you know, because in order to make money or to, in order to work, you've you got to get on a plane. It's not like you can just work local jobs here, but I love it. I'd rather be nowhere else to call home. I've been here 22 years and I've fallen in love with it more and more that I've uh, spent time here. 
That's good, man. I think it's interesting because, you know, when you're when you're first starting out, you're like, I only want big gigs. I want big gigs. I want to be working on a on a global scale. I know that's how I've always been. And and then you get on them and you're and, and it's awesome and you love it and you're and you're progressing and you're meeting incredible people. But you are you're sacrificing because you're away from your family. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. big global gigs in your hometown. There's just not. And it's <laughs> even even in Virginia Beach where we are, it's you're you're going to you're it's a give and take. It's, it's great because most – like you can live in a, in a remote location um, and work anywhere in the world. So you can kind of live where you want now. I believe more so now than ever because of social media and the internet and being able to meet people and collaborate with people you know, online. Um, and most of the time, vendors that I work with and directors I work with, sometimes they're farming out edit work in like another country even. Like just I've got a director that I work with since his, you know, his colorist is in Australia. Uh, another director I work with, he sends stuff to France to get it edited. So, I mean, you can work anywhere now. Uh, and then most of the time, like you just said, we're getting on planes and meeting up. And, you know, the usually the locations are somewhere else. And so you hire some local vendors, but, you know, the director and DP usually are the ones, you know, that, that are um, coming from anywhere. Yeah. See, it's New York and L.A. <laughs> People always ask me, do you, you, so you live in L.A.? You live in New York? I'm like, no, I have kitty hawk north carolina yeah <laughs> it always throws them off like where <laughs> i think it's funny man i us being in virginia beach you know especially in the film industry people people um see a lot of our our, our stuff in tactical and guns and they're like we want to come there and shoot machine guns you know that's <laughs> um but, you will get shot if you do that <laughs> yeah yeah so um what what do you have going on now what what, what kind of projects are you working on um, my stuff right now, I've, it's always like a balance. I'm doing commercial stuff now. Like that's pretty much all, all the time. I've got a couple I'm going to Ireland on Saturday for pharmaceutical. Um, I've got a commercial in Wichita right after that. It's actually a dog food commercial. Um, and then I'm going to Sydney, Australia for another commercial or it's a pharmaceutical, like a 10 day sh- shoot a little bit after that. Um, I've got a shoot in India that I might be directing and DPing. Um, it's for a nonprofit. I'm really excited about it. It's a pretty gnarly story about redemption. A bunch of uh, young girls that went from prostitution to having like a full holistic like recovery of their identity and their lives. Um, so it's cool. I do get to direct some projects occasionally. Uh, so I got that on the horizon. I always like to have one of what I call like one of my own little baby projects. Kind yeah. Of incubating. You know, I, lo- I love to you know, have that. So I still like to have a little project hanging out, you know, but for the most part, uh, commercial work is what I've got going on right now. That's cool, man. And, and it, you know, it's, it's not every day that you have someone who's well-versed like you, who can, who can run a set and direct and those types of things. I mean, you're who I call on when I get sick or I can't do something or a last minute change to direct and you always roll with the punches pretty well. So I know that's a huge asset for you. I mean, you know, talk to us a little bit about what, you know, because you've worked with people from all over, just like we have. I mean, there's some people that are really great at what they do, but they're not well-versed enough to be easy to work with, you know, or they, they only are comfortable working in one one area. How, how important is it to you to have a bag of tricks and to kind of be well-versed? Well, I always tell people you, you're kind of only as good as your last job, you know. Like so, treat every job like it's your last, and that you'd only get hired for your next one if you did an excellent job on on the one you're currently on. Have a have a great attitude. Like really, just enjoy where you're at. Like help out. Don't be you know too proud to carry a sandbag. 
you know, like just, just work hard, enjoy what you're doing. I know these sound kind of basic, but like that is infectious. That attitude of working hard, having excellence and having fun with what you're doing, not complaining and just like keeping a smile on your face and interacting and being positive on set goes a long, long way because we're talking 10, 12, 15, sometimes 18 hour days, three, four or five days in a row, you can burn out. And then you, all of a sudden you're just, you know, you're grumpy and you're missing the whole point of why you're there. So attitude for me is really key. Um, and then, so that's like kind of how I like to you know, just try to carry myself on set, really just enjoy it. And the other is kind of submitting to the vision of the director and what the, what the creative is calling for. I just love that. I really love being able to like kind of submit to, you know, well, what, why are we really here? Like, what do we want to create together? Um, and having an attitude of collaboration, like that's something that's so fun now. I, I, and just really enjoy that. I think that's infectious. When you start getting enthusiastic about concepts and ideas, that trickles down to all the vendors. Everybody sees that enthusiasm. You know, and people want to work harder and, and enjoy the day and, um, you know, feel a part of it uh, instead of just like doing a job. And, you know, even, even if it's like content you're not that stoked on. Yeah. You know, gig. You know what I mean? It's like, I think a lot of people overlook that. You know, I think um, your portfolio, my portfolio, whoever, right? You you see some of the, the, the really awesome stuff that people work on. And, and a lot of times they don't necessarily see some of the stuff that you have to do to, to pay bills and, and yeah. to, to continue your growth. So how do you stay motivated and, and continue growth when you're when you kind of are doing some of those monotonous stuff and, and, and keep your eye on the prize? So coming from the world where I had to do everything myself, you learn to take nothing and make something. So whether that be your camera, it's not that good. Or in fact, you have no lighting package. You know, you have like a Zoom recording. So now you have to make something for like a, you know, a, a, a really like high quality audio. So you have all these like high expectations, but you don't have the gear. When you come from that world, you kind of learn to do everything, shoot, edit, interview, do everything. You learn to like, you know, do well with very few things. What do you do? You know, you talk about these kind of long days and some monotonous jobs and we all do them. You know, what, what do you do to stay motivated uh, on those and then, uh, you know, continue your growth? Yeah. So I guess I like the challenge of even if the content maybe or the creative, you know, is, is good but not great. I like the challenge of taking very little that you have and making the best out of it. Like whatever that is. It, you might be backed into a corner of your locations, like the location that you, you weren't able to get a scout or you just don't like the time of day to get switched because of schedule and you're kind of back up against the corner. I love those challenges. Like it would be amazing if everything fell into place, but sometimes those hiccups end up being a blessing in disguise. So for me to keep motivated, I like to one up what I did last time. I like to try something different in the field. I try to embrace like when there's, something that changed and actually use that. Uh, so for me, I, I like to, you know, make the director happy, make the client happy. I like to try to do something that's like going to, you know, sh show them something that they thought they never even realized it could it, it'd be as, um, you know, kind of pulled off in the way that I I'd thought of it. Like, so I like to try to do things in a new way, even, even if it seems mundane, I actually kind of like those environments because you know, if you have everything planned and everything like totally set, there's no room for magic. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that's maybe just the approach is how do I keep it fresh and engaging, you know? And the flip side of that is you, how do you make it engaging? You speak up and you actually try to really push for things that are important to you. You know, you're getting hired for a reason. 
And so speak up, like come up with suggestions. There's times when like I'll work with directors and, and they have an idea for something, but aesthetically I, I've come up with something that could be way, way more, you know, a better fit or an alternative. And so I'll kind of offer that to them. So those situations that seem kind of mundane, I, I usually have ideas that could maybe, you know, kind of add to the idea of what they're trying to get across visually. Um, and so that's how I approach those kind of mundane situations too. I try to make them interesting. I think you have a good, uh, you have a good knack for that balance. And, and that's something I've really appreciated from working with you. And I know that's what you're, I mean, I think your reputation kind of follows you when it comes to that kind of thing. Everyone in the industry knows you as a guy who's going to come and bring it and uh, be fun to work with. And, and like you said, you, you collaborate when needed and you, and you uh, submit when needed. You, you, you've, you've really found a balance with that, which is, which is really unique. Uh, so I think, I think you do a good job with that, man. I, um, I think a lot of that comes from knowing who you are as a person too and your capabilities. I, I've, I, I know as I've gotten older and, and have progressed in the industry and work with um, in a fast paced environment, back to back shoots, travel, travel, <laughs> miss my family, travel, travel, and still expected to bring it every day, especially when you're working on tier one things. Mm -hmm. I, I can't tell you how much for me, um, stuff like going fishing or stuff like being with my family or uh, exercise, just, just these simple things that before I kind of just did. Now I, I almost, I regiment myself when I'm in town to do it because it resets me and, and kind of re-energizes me. Do you, do you get anything like that? For me, it's funny where I live, I can actually completely unplug. Like I can get so relaxed and so part of like my little community here. And there's so much stuff that I love to do. I like to fish. I like to surf. I like to hunt. I like to hang out. I like to cook with my family. I like to travel around here. I have a boat, so I explore with my family sometimes. So I can completely be on vacation all the time when I'm home. Um, I have that ability to actually just turn it off. And and it's funny because we try we try to make like you know we and what we do is we use the willing suspension of disbelief. That's like the fascination with film. You know, you're creating this space for people to either you know project an idea or have them suspend their disbelief for a little bit to go into this place to learn a message or to learn something new or hear a story. But uh, I'm actually way more engaged with just real life. Like I know that sounds odd, you know, like film tries to mimic reality and create an other reality and something larger, you know, than just what reality is. But I just really like reality too. Like I just love living in the moment. Yeah. So when I come home, I actually try, I, mean, I have a little Fuji that I shoot with and, and, and document, but it's so funny. Like, I can't get too into it. I'll start to get into like work mode again. If I think too much about the, con you know, like setting up a scene with my family or my friends, I just try to actually do more like street photography and like yeah. stuff's out of focus and it's not perfect. And I love that. So I kind of push back a little bit when I'm home on staying plugged in. I, I really like to unplug and turn off the production side of me and yeah. just be a dad, just be a husband, just be dad. And just be present and, and stuff that's like has nothing to do with shooting. I yeah. really enjoy that balance. And then like I'm about to leave on Saturday and I'm going to 100%. I'm like 100% on board. I'm so stoked on the trip and I'm there when I'm, when I'm present on a shoot. I'm there when I'm home. I'm, I try to really, you know, be mindful of who I'm with and be relational. You know, and it's hard. I mean, you, you must struggle with that. I mean, you have your own business and you have to kind of duly live. And 
we have these phones attached to us where you can literally be checking your email and having the most amazing quality time. And then you got this thing nagging at you in your pocket, you know, just begging for your attention. So I try, I, I mean, I don't always do a good job at it. <laughs> you know, I'm always thinking about something work related eventually, but I try to put it off to the side as much as I can when I'm home. Um, and then I'm really refreshed for when it's time to shoot. I'm, I'm like a 100% present on the set. Yeah, I can attest that you are, man. I agree. Um, so, so speaking of, of kind of, um, engaging and, and plugging in when you're on set and, and being invested, you, you, you have to invest in, in your career as a, as a cinematographer, just like I do as a, uh, the founder of ironclad directing and different things like that we invest in gear and all these other things and mm -hmm. and we do it as a team um with training and with with you know but we have a, a team with accountants and all these things uh making sure that we can invest when we can buy new gear when we can all these different things you're you're you being a one-man show you're driving man when is it time to buy something new i'm about to buy something new and then something else comes out you know how how has that been difficult for you figuring like, when do I buy? Do I rent? Am I just, uh, do I just want to use my services? I mean, how do you find that balance between the business side and the artist side and also with your gear, like, uh, when yeah. you upgrade and, and, and things like that? Well, man, that's, that's a really loaded question. Cause there's so many things that to, to consider. Number one should be the most number one is what makes you feel creative. You know, what, when you hold it, because there could be three answers to what should I get? There's probably three great answers. It's this camera, it's that camera, you know, but what makes you feel creative? What makes you feel like this is going to be the, the best expression of what's best for, for, for me? The other is like, well, you know, what can you afford? That's just literally got to be within your price range. So I, I try to be smart about it and I don't want to put my family in a place because I am a freelancer. If I make a really bad decision financially, you know, it, it greatly affects my family. So I, you know, try to be accountable to making a smart decision. If I can pay it off in three years, great. If I get a loan, rent it. I've got to be able to have a rental stream for it, rent it myself or rent it to others. Like my red package is out right now. That's wonderful. I've set it up for other people to, to enjoy. Um, so I try to make sure that it is a balance between what's creatively going to push me forward that I feel good about financially. How is it going to help? And then there's other times where, I have to make a decision that I really want something. And yes, it's going to be affordable and it'd be creative, but it's just not a good fit for the job. There are times when like we had to shoot recently and it, it, the only way we we're going to shoot it was, was on, on airy cameras and I own a red, but it was just not the right call. There's other times where I said, look, we've got to shoot this on a C300 Mark II because of the low light and the um, kind of the curve balls we were going to shoot a lot of nighttime shooting. You know, and there are other times where it's like you have to shoot this with master primes. We had to, you know, like the the budget went from twenty grand to thirty grand. In the camera package department for a week because I was like, we need this product. We have to have this. Um, I guess just that attitude of rental is really good. Like you don't have to own it. You can try and rent it, and you end up getting your hands on a lot more tools that way. So I really like to rent glass, lots of different types of glass, and. uh and even camera equipment. And I, I'm, I think for me, having one solid camera package is important, but then kind of your, your things that are going to change per project, you know, I think that's, that's tougher for me to invest in. I need to rent those, those items. And a lot of that for me is glass because it's kind of 
you know, gonna, um, the, the project usually will dictate what look we're going for. When you first get started, you have these big dreams, right? You, you have these, mm -hmm. these visions. I'm going to be working on this. And I, dude, I had them. I, and I still have them. I want this. This is my goal. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. But I never really understood how far we could go. I did mm. not really understand. And then I see myself working with the brands that we're working with and the people we're working with. Yeah. And it blows my mind uh, <laughs> what, what hard work and dedication can do. What what has been some of the surprising? Have you had any of that experience, or have you already known you were going to get the Levi's and the Intels and the Super Bowl commercials? Did you already know that you were going to do that, or is it just kind of snuck up on you? Or do you ever reflect on how far you've come? I mean, that's that's heavy. Yeah, I, there are times where I'll I'll be with uh, you know with my crew, or sometimes it's my close friends, sometimes it's people that I I don't know that well now. And I stop and I take it in. And I remember when I was a little kid, you know, I was like 11, 12 years old, shooting my dad's still camera, you know, sometimes without filming it, because I just like to go and hear the sound of the click. And I remember where I was then and I see where I am now. And, and it's like, it's, it's, um, it's grounding. And it's, it feels like really rewarding, because it's been a lot of travel, a lot of work, a lot of you know, um, dedication and commitment to the craft and to finally like have projects that at least I'm, you know, I, I feel good about and I'm, and I'm proud of. It does feel good. It's, it's awesome. I mean, the most important thing is like having people in, that you like to work with and having these projects that you're proud of how they turn out. Um, that's a really good feeling. I knew when I was younger, I always felt like I would do my best at things and, I didn't want to have a results-driven life, but I always knew that I wanted to work at whatever I did and give it my best and, and I guess, enjoy the journey, not as much the destination. Like, for instance, when I used to work, work on films, I would get really bummed when the project would be over. I already wanted to start another because it's the process of working on them, for me, is the payoff, not seeing it on the screen. I do enjoy that. I love that. And, and it is collectively really fun to sit there and watch it. But I'm ready to go work on the next one. Like, I think the process for me and, and the aha moments on set or while you're working for me are more enjoyable than, than the exhibition side of it. So, yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I, I, if I sat there and stood and looked at where I am right now, I would be missing out on where I should be going. You know, so I try to do a little bit of that along the way, and I do kind of say, "Oh my, oh my gosh, this is this is pretty cool." There's some fun stuff that we've been working on lately, and I do like that. Um, but I'm hungry for more still. I'm not quite satisfied right now. I want to I want to try new things. I've, I've got things that I'm like excited about creatively right now. What what apply. is that? What what's I'm, next? Like I'm kind of into, I'm just, for me, it's lighting and color contrast right now. I'm just really into just lighting obscurities, finding new things in lighting. It's just, this color contrast for me is a little thing I'm into right now. You know, it's, it's however I can introduce that concept on pieces. Um, I got to do it on a Super Bowl spot this last year. It was super fun and it, and it made sense for the theme of the content and it wasn't part of the creative, but I introduced it and we ended up, we ended up running with it. It's like in the spot, um, just using color, 
as part of the message of the imagery. You know, it's, 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 you know, um, I think, I think that's something that's really fun for me right now. So just little things like that. Don't be like six months from now. I'll be super bored with that. I'm done. I want to move on to something new and then take that, whatever that new thing is, and then apply it to the projects I'm working on then. Um, just to keep it fresh, you know? Yeah. I think that, that for me is the exciting part. Um, like I don't know, you know, what I'll be doing in two months from now. I've, I've got the next month or so booked and, and, and I know, but like I'll be able to hopefully apply something new and fresh in another couple months. So it's changing and evolving all the time. And I, I love that. I, love, I still really enjoy that. Um, then I look forward to what I'm going to work on, you know, in the future. And I don't, I don't feel um, complacent right now. I feel like really hungry and really excited about the industry and where it's going and how much people are consuming imagery right now. It's like, it's, it's really it crazy. I find myself consuming imagery, you know, like I, it's, it's crazy. Um, what's out there. What is, is there a dream, uh, agency or brand or director that you'd work with? Um, I feel like I'm kind of already working with them because yeah. all the director friends that I have, they're, they are actually close friends of mine as well. We've been each other's weddings. We, when I go and work with them, sometimes I'll just go and stay at their house and hang yeah. with their families. And so there's a really close, like kind of a lateral, there's like the forward push of our career and whatnot. And then it's the lateral relationships for me that are almost more rewarding. So continuing to work with the, like, the directors that I currently work with as their career and as their um, projects come up to continue to work with them. And then of course, all along the way, meet new people. Like I just worked, I did an energy spot with Duke energy with a new director, never worked with them before. It went awesome. Peace turned out great. We, we, we were on the same page with so many things aesthetically. We got along really well. So that was an awesome surprise. I didn't see that coming. Um, so for me, the, what would be the most rewarding thing in the future is to create content that is hopefully purpose-driven, something that's really positive and, and doing, doing well and doing good and, and helping highlight something positive. Um, and then having a high creative, some, some team of people that are really com coming up with concepts that are forward-thinking and current and you know, challenging um, and and something that's raw and honest. I think that's going to be something that we're going to continue to need more of in a you know plastic society. I think genuineness and authenticity that is going to be continually you know a need. Um, and so making films that are raw and that are true and like going to promote that. So those those are the types of projects that I'd, I like to be a part of. Even commercial work like that's really you know obviously you're trying to sell prod products. But you can do it in a way that is promoting, you know, ideals that are timeless and beautiful. And so I like working with the directors that get that, that they, you know, the lifestyle that they lead. They, they try to bring that out on the screen on the projects that they do. And, you know, and it's it's not fake and, you know, like, you know, you know, it's it's genuine. So th that would be for me in the future to continue to create stuff that's that I'm proud of aesthetically. And then, you know, obviously the content, something that's like just just rad and, you know, and, and, and really compelling. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. So that kind of leads me into my, uh, the next category here of our, of our podcast. So we're 25 minutes in, so we get questions from, from listeners and, um, we answer it from the ironclads perspective and we, we want to hear it from our guest perspective too. And they're <laughs> directed towards, uh, your specialty. So 
Uh, we have two to go through. So I, the first one, and I, I can answer it first, and then you can run with it on from your angle, um, is what is a DP starter pack for an up-and-comer? I, 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 I think that means what what uh, what is the go-to pack for an up-and-coming DP? You know, hmm. iron, uh, on the Ironclad perspective, we were built on a 7D. I mean, we didn't have any gear. We literally mm -hmm. had a 7D and, and whatever stock lens we got from Best Buy. Yep. So I really, if you want it, you can make it happen. That's what I say. I, I think it's important that you come out prepared, obviously. I think there's packs. Mm -hmm. I, I know, Nick, you've been awesome with having, you know, it's like Nick's goodie bag. You have, you kind of have a, a tool, you're ready for things. I think that's super important, but I don't necessarily think having a, a, a starter pack as far as a, a camera package I don't think that's as necessary as having the right tools and mentality. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Just so I understand, you're, you're asking what's more important, the, the gear, the attitude? What do you mean? Well, I think the, the question is what's a, what is a DP starter pack for an up-and-comer? What, what is like the go-to starter pack? And yeah. I, I don't know if there's the right answer for that, but that, that's, no, the, that's the question. It's, it's a good question. I mean, it's, if I had to say what a good starter pack is, is ultimately what you can afford because you need to have fun at first you don't need to start a business at first so whatever you can afford that makes you creative and feel like you're learning the craft you're learning about lighting you're learning about composition you're learning about yourself when you start to put a frame up you're like oh i tend to frame this way so you're actually like learning about yourself hopefully when you frame other things so that could be, you know, a 6D, you know, and like an, what is it, 18 to 135. You know, you just buy the yeah. thing from B&H as a package. There you go. You've got your zoom. You, you know, yes, you're going to have a variable exposure when you zoom in and out. But, man, that thing's great. Go for it. You're going to do, you know, you're going to take photos. You could get wedding gigs. You could do a lot of damage with like a, like a zoom and like a full frame camera. So another camera, I mean, like an FS5 is awesome. Like I, I don't own one. I've actually never held an. I've never shot with one, but I know people that have. It's a great like little mini dock camera that you could do some really amazing stuff with. And you have slow motion capabilities. So like a camera like that could be really good. I, I'm not like a huge Sony guy, but I'd recommend it to people that are starting out. I think it's an awesome little turnkey camera. You could have some super. You know, you could have a lot of fun with. Another route to go is to get like just a 50 mil. Get you a standard 50 millimeters, the fashion lens. It's what the eye sees. doesn't distort reality. And you start with one lens, and you keep it simple first. I think that's really important because you can learn so much more if you learn the principles first. And then you apply that to all the different glass that you own, you know, in your gamut. If you sometimes, if you have, if you went out and you're starting out as a DP, and you just bought everything, You'd have a bunch of stuff. It looked like a yard sale, and your mind would probably be the same way. But if you learn the principles first, and then you go to grab for a tool, you don't just try things out, and the you know the tool dictates your creativity. Then you, you know you don't really have that authority because you're not thinking through the lens of you know your own vision, your own ideas. You're looking at the equipment, and the equipment is dictating your ideas. So. I think it might be smarter to start with less at first, less financial pressure, and you have more the simplicity of just enjoying the craft of learning to shoot and work with people. And most of the time, you don't have a crew with you, so you're having to 
create everything. <laughs> and that's really stressful. So keep the amount of gear down. So I'd say either 50 mil in a DSLR or a simple zoom in a DSLR, like what you just mentioned is a great starter. If you can afford to go like a camcorder route where you need like XLR inputs, simple audio package, obviously like an FS7 is a little high on the price range, but FS5 is good. I think those are probably some good starting points. That's what I'd recommend. Nice. So um, the next one, and I'll let you answer this one, um, is how can I tell how much my services are worth? We, you know, there's so much variance in, in what rates are, day rates and DPs and everybody charges. Um, yeah. And, and it evolves, you know, and you want to do evolve as your work evolves. What do you, what do you think on that question? So I think, how do you dictate your worth? Number one, you have to first believe in yourself because you could be really talented and you could be underselling your skill sets. A lot of times people are overselling their skill sets and they're not as talented too. You can go the opposite way uh, and you could run a great business, but your work isn't that good. It, you, you see that a lot too. Sometimes, you know, people's prices don't all often reflect, you know, their value. Um, but I think the area that you live in and the association of projects that you work on, the directors that you work with, and obviously your body of work that will represent how much experience and what you can bring to the table and how much you can be accountable uh, for when you're handed something and an idea to you know to carry over the table with a director. You're actually going to you know be handed the responsibility to come up with all of the camera department and lighting decisions, camera movements to you know, create this project, whatever it is. It's a lot of responsibility. And the more you have that confidence in what you do, the more you'll have confidence in and you'll know what your rates are. So there's some industry rates. There's like neck up, you know, what they call for like guys that are shooters and they have their own camera package. That's so them plus their camera package, seven, $800 a day. You know, in most regions, it's kind of like a, you know, like a event shooter kind of rate. And then you've got your commercial DP rates, and then you've got your narrative rates and your series work. Um, like guys, you know, in our region, we don't do series work. There's not like cinematographers that are like doing series work. So you have to go to Atlanta or someplace like that um, where there's a lot of that type of work. And there are some industry rates for those. Like I did reality for a stint way back at some companies in LA and they just had their rates. They're like, we don't care what you, you want to make. This is what we have to offer you. Will you do it? <laughs> you know, you, you'll kind of go through that, you know, too. But for me now, I dictate what my rates are based on the experience and the industry standard of what you'd see in, you know, in a major city. Like that's kind of like what, what I, cause I'm bringing to the table what another cinematographer I feel like could bring in that region. Um, and, and some projects, obviously the budget of the project, if it's smaller, your rate will typically be smaller. And if it's larger, it's typically reflective of your rate. Um, and then so is the creative and the um, requirements on you and the pressure on you. So it's relative. Um, obviously it's, it's, it's going to grow. You're going to have like a, you know, increasing stream of income. The more you, you go and more momentum you get into your career, which is wonderful because you're way more confident in what you do and you're going to get rewarded with more of a, you know, a higher rate. And just, uh, I, I think that's, that's a great thing. It's, it's like a, it can be a really, uh, it, it can be a good career. You can actually have a pretty solid salary every year, even as a freelancer 
I think if, if you apply all those things that I was talking about earlier, just, you know, so I think your read to get back to your main question, the region that you live in is going to dictate it and the projects you work on and the directors that you're working with. I think that's going to be the, uh, kind of like your, your navigator of, of what you're going to charge. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I, one good thing to take away too is, is I, you know, I, I don't think people can value, put enough value on this, but you know, an opportunity, a good opportunity is a good opportunity. And if it's a project that you want to be on, or it's a director you want to work with or a brand you want to work with, in my, in my opinion, you should take it no matter what, even if the budget's not there. I mean, I, I just, I can't tell 100%. you how, how many good connections and, and good uh, collaborations and projects and friends we've been a part of just by saying, yeah, let's do it, you know? And, and totally. I, I think, I think a lot of people get caught up on I'm worth this and that's that, but they miss out on such good opportunities. Totally. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like now, if you did that, every project, you, you wouldn't be you able to afford yeah, to buy can't live. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a hybrid and, and there are times where brand association is just wonderful for, you know, your, your career and what you're associated with and you know what you're working on. There's times where you just make great, you know, to be a part of something it's it's you know it it's an exciting thing you know there's it'll propel your career to another level the pressure that that you have to work on this amazing you know a national brand spot or something um that's that's awesome um so yeah I, i'm actually on the same page there have been times where i was given an awarded job and i felt great about it the the rate was okay it wasn't that amazing still i got paid but the um, but the brand association was wonderful, and and I think that was a takeaway. Um, and there are times I, mean, I don't do. I mean, I used to do projects. You know, like doing your own projects, you do everything for free. You actually lose money on projects. But yeah, man, you get the payoff. Oh, there's my film. It's you know, it's we're going on tour with it. You're selling selling it literally out of the back of your car, and you're just getting by, and you max out your credit cards. I mean, those days are so far behind me. So I know what it's like to lose money on projects. Um, I don't do that anymore, but I think that 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 um, you you kind of learn your value along the way. And there's there's no way that people don't want to pay you for your value. You know, th those are the types of people that you don't want to work with. Um, you know, you, you, that we're trying to get your amazing services and your attitude, what you bring to the table for free. So that you know, you kind of weed out those clients <laughs> and yeah. it's just not it's just not a good fit it's a mutual thing you know you're like they they you know the the ones that typically you want to work with are are, are going to bring you know an appropriate budget to be able to afford you at the same time so it's kind of like a rising tide lifts all all ships you know you know what i mean like as you gain with your momentum and your experience so do the budgets so do the so does the creative um, and, and you have to work harder, I believe, less at trying to prove to people your value because your body of work and your reputation precedes itself. I agree, man. I think it's very well said. Well, man, we, we've already hit 45 minutes. That was <laughs> good. Fun, it's it's That's easy fun. to talk with you, man. I, I appreciate you jumping on. I know that uh, it's going to be a uh, a good episode. I, I, I think, like I said, you're the first person in the actual industry that we've worked with. Um, I mean, that we've done a podcast with from the film industry. We've done stuff that from people we work with and whose stories we tell, but we haven't done anybody from the industry yet. So, um, you know, the good thing is we have uh, listeners that are that are in this world and there we have ones that are um, in different industries. So I, I think it'll nice. be a good insight for people. 
Man, thanks. I appreciate it, Jeremy. That was fun. Yeah, man. We'll 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 get together and do it again, and and we'll go fishing, and 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 you still <laughs> owe me a four. But <laughs> all right, Nick, man, we appreciate it, and uh, we're looking forward to launching this thing. All right, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. See ya. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Ironclad Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes. Make sure that you leave us a review, any questions that you may have. Also, follow us on Instagram at This Is Ironclad and also our website, thisisironclad.com.